This morning, we're continuing our journey uh, looking at the various gifts that the Spirit of God has blessed us with. And one of the things I've been saying over and over again is each one of us is gifted and each one is called to serve. Uh, and it is my hope that you have done uh, your spiritual gift surveys uh, and are uh, trying to find which gifts uh, you've, you have that God has blessed you with and how you can serve our, uh, our community of faith, Mount Hope Church, and the larger community as well. Uh, at this time, Pastor Joanne has some hands out that she's going to be giving out to you. If you've not done uh, the spiritual gift survey, there's a QR code uh, on it. Uh, you can take a picture of it, and it'll take you to a website, and it'll take you about four or five minutes to finish your survey, and you can look at the various uh, gifts uh, that are listed. Uh, for the last two weeks, uh, we've been looking at the gifts of nurturing. Uh, nurturing gifts are there. Uh, when we talk about those gifts, we think about our Sunday school teachers who uh, taught us, uh, who were faithfully present with us uh, and uh, taught us to sing, who taught us the stories of Jesus. Uh, and those are the people that we think of when we're thinking about the nurturing gifts or we think about our youth leaders who stood, uh, who spent a hot summer week uh, teaching up us about what it means to love God and to love our neighbor. Last week, we looked at the gifts of outreach, uh, how with these gifts, we care for those who are in need. We care for those who are, uh, who are poor, who are on the margins, and those who have these gifts uh, have a gift of compassion. When they see the needs of those around them, they want to do something about it. They don't want to just sit still. And we uh, heard from Karen Jason, who heads up our Bread of Life ministry, where she was sharing the story about how she learned about generosity and caring for those around us uh, as it was modeled to us by our grandparents and parents. Feeding uh, those who are in our house, who are strangers to them, was not seen as something that is being taken away from the family, but rather it was seen as a way to care and love a complete stranger. And we as a church take this mandate of caring for the poor very seriously. We provide food and clothing to those uh, who are part of, uh, who are who are in need, uh, food for those who are experiencing food insecurity, your financial generosity towards this ministry is what carries it, all those who help organize our pantry, all who do the shopping, and all the administrative work that goes on with it, and all the volunteers who show up on the day of distribution, we are thankful for this church. And I'm incredibly proud of Mount Hope Church and how we care for those around us. This morning, we're talking about another set of gifts, and these gifts are the witnessing gifts. Uh, and here is the challenge, even as I speak about these gifts. For the past two weeks, um, when I talked about nurturing gifts, and when I talked about outreach gifts, when we had those discussions, there was an invitation made to the congregation. The invitation was, if you have this gift, come be part of a certain ministry, and you had a chance to fill out what you wanted to do. And I'm grateful for all the ones who have filled out uh, and uh, who are filling out those cards and saying, this is how I would like to serve the church. Right? When the invitation was made, there was an understanding that not everybody is called to teach Sunday school children, right? 
Not everybody is patient enough to hang out with teenagers, right? Right? We know that. We know that's the case. But when it comes to witnessing, I think we're all called to do. Yes, there are certain of few of us who are really gifted in this area, and I want to talk to us about them. But at the forefront, I want to say that this is a job for each and every one of us. We can't just say this is for somebody else. And the reason we can't say it is for somebody else, because if you have a question in the church, the answer is always? Answer is always? Yes. No, the answer is always? Jesus, right. The answer is always Jesus. And here's what the answer is, Jesus. Because of what Jesus said, each one of us is called to share about our faith. We can't give it to somebody else. This is what we read in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Surely I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Here, Jesus is telling his disciples to do something. He's saying, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I have commanded you. And I will be with you to the very end. Jesus is saying these words on the day of his ascension. Jesus died on the cross. He lived for 40 days on the earth and he taught and ate with the disciples. In the Gospel of Luke, we read that Jesus opened the eyes of the disciples to the Old Testament scripture. Jesus opened their eyes. He had a Bible study with them, and he showed them all the different passages in the Old Testament as to how he was supposed to be the Son of God incarnate who would come into this world to give salvation to all who believe. Jesus opened their eyes to the scriptures. Jesus said to them, and now go, now you go and make disciples of all nations. Now you go and spread the good news of Jesus. Friends, this morning we celebrated the, the, the sacrament of baptism. And this is what Jesus told us to do. Go, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we did this morning. See, through the waters of baptism, we are given a new identity. Sometimes as human beings, it's easy for us to identify ourselves based on our race or caste or status or financial prowess. And the list can go on as to how we can say we're different from the other. But the waters of baptism makes us all one. We are given a new identity this morning Jacob was given a new identity, that he is God's beloved son. You and I, who remember our own baptism, are reminded that we are God's beloved children, and we are called to communicate this unconditional love to others. That is what we are called to do. That is what faith sharing is all about. And yet, this morning, I understand that we've not always done that. We've not always done that as a church. I remember hearing sermons where people who rejected Jesus were condemned to hell. I remember uh, watching 
an evangelist on TV, um, in his sermon basically said, you're experiencing ill health or you're experiencing misfortune and all the list of all the things, all because you have rejected Jesus. This is far from the gospel. And because our faith was shared so negatively, sometimes we have become shy. We don't want to be like the guy on TV condemning those around them. So we have become shy about not sharing our faith to those around us. We just kind of keep it to ourselves sometimes. We say our prayers. We come to church. We're faithful in every way. But we keep the faith component towards us. And friends, this morning, I want to challenge us to follow the mandate of Jesus that you would share your faith because Jesus is telling us to. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I love the last part. And I learned this in King James. It says, lo, I'm with you always. I am with you always. Friends, when you are sharing your faith to those who are around you, God is with you. Jesus is with you. All you have to do is simply share your story. That's it. How your life was blessed by Jesus. How your belief in Jesus and this community of faith called Mount Hope has shaped your own journey. That's it. It is as simple as that. And I hope that you will have an opportunity in the days to come to just share your faith to those who are around us. So anyway, I want to call, I want to bring our attention this morning to those who might be gifted in this area. And here are some of the gifts that Christ might have given you, the Spirit of God might have given you. These gifts are evangelism, prophecy, and knowledge. When you take your test, like these might show up, um, and this could be it. Evangelism. What is evangelism? The best way I can describe this gift is the person is the best spokesperson for what they believe. They are the best spokesperson. Have you ever met someone who in a course of the conversation started talking about a new restaurant that they were at and how much they loved the food and the chef was great and everything was wonderful and beautiful and they are just nonstop talking about it. And you in the back of your head thinking, Maybe I should go and check out this place, right? And you don't even like Italian food, right? All because this person spoke with such conviction that you wanted to do it. That's what evangelism is about. It's about speaking about with conviction, with sincerity, with authentic genuineness, what Christ has done in your life. That's it. That is what evangelism is all about. It is about telling the good news of Jesus. I can't um, not talk about the gift of evangelism without lifting up one of the greatest modern-day evangelists. That's Billy Graham. He had this gift. He had a way of communicating to those around him the good news of Jesus. And he spoke from a place of conviction. And he wanted people to hear the good news. The next gift is called prophecy. Those who possess this gift, uh, they're not fortune tellers. 
Prophecy, most of the time, is seen as telling what is going to happen in the future, and that is not the case. The gift of prophecy is speaking God's truth into a current reality. Able to see things from God's perspective, a person with the gift of prophecy, when they hear a situation, when they hear someone share their life story, and what is all that is taking place in their life, they are the ones that can point out how God moved in their lives as to where God was present, how God shaped this event, and then this, and this, and now here is where you are. These people can map God's movement in somebody's life. And they speak the truth in love. They deliver the truth in love. Sometimes we think about Christian truth as being rah-rah and cheerleading, but sometimes we need to hear difficult things, and the ones with the gift of prophecy are able to share God's truth in love, even things that are difficult for us to hear and digest. This spiritual gift is needed in our community so that we can see God's movement in the life of our church, so that we can see how God is speaking to us, how God is speaking in our own individual lives. Then we have the gift of knowledge. These individuals who possess this gift have an affinity towards scriptures. They meditate on God's word constantly. They are reading God's word and thinking how those scriptures apply to their lives, how they apply to the lives of those who are part of our community. These are the saints in our community who are constantly encouraging us to pray, to meditate on God's word. And they discuss scripture. They teach it in such practical ways that you can apply God's word into your own life. Those are the ones that have the gift of knowledge. Maybe you are one of them this morning. This morning I want to share how these gifts of, of witnessing shape out in a biblical story. I want to share with you a story that comes to us from Acts chapter 8, verse 26. This is what we read. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, go down towards Jerusalem, down from Jerusalem to Gaza. The angel of the Lord is speaking to Philip. Philip is a disciple of Jesus, and he's being told to go south. From Jerusalem, go south to a town named Gaza. Go on that road. Just go. But before we hear why the Holy Spirit is asking this disciple of Jesus to go to the desert road, to Gaza, we need to know what happened a few days before. A few days before Philip gets this command to go south, something pretty traumatic takes place in Jerusalem. Here's the traumatic event. A disciple named Stephen is killed for his faith. A disciple named Stephen, he confesses Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior, and the temple authorities, the Jewish um, uh, Priests accuse him of blasphemy, and they stone him to death. I think this was the most tumultuous time in the life of the early church. 
where they were struggling as to what it means to be Christians. They wanted to be Christ-like, and yet they were afraid for their own lives, and they were running away. They were all leaving Jerusalem and going to other cities. And here, the Spirit of the Lord told Philip, go south towards Gaza. What would you do if you were in Philip's place? When you saw your friend just killed for his faith? When you know that people are coming after Christians to persecute them and imprison them? That's what Saul says. Saul, who was there, the official who declares Stephen to be dead, he said, I am going to capture all the Christians, imprison them. If I have to kill them, I'll do it. What were you willing to do if you heard the Spirit of God saying, go south towards Gaza when you know that your friend was just killed? This is what Philip does. So he started out on his way and met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means Queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. On his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah. And the Spirit told him, go to the chariot and, say, and stay near it. See, Philip right now encounters somebody completely different from him. There are so many differences between Philip and this Ethiopian we know that he's Ethiopian. We know that Philip is a Jew. There's a racial difference there. This is um, at a time in the life of the church where there were no Gentiles who were part of the Christian community. The good news that was being proclaimed by the disciples usually went to those who are still in Jerusalem. But now the good news is reaching beyond just those who are in Jerusalem. It is going across races. These two men are different in terms of their nationality. We are told that this official, he's in charge of the queen's treasury, and he is riding a chariot. Many of the early disciples who followed Jesus um, were peasants. They were poor people. And Philip is walking over and trying to talk to somebody who's powerful in another government. Notice the difference here between race and socioeconomic status. And also here, I want you to be aware of something. Even though the Spirit of God is telling Philip to do something, I want you to notice what the Ethiopian official is doing. How the Holy Spirit is working in his life. From reading the story so far, this is what we learn about the Ethiopian, that he was in Jerusalem worshiping God. Because he was not a Jew, because he was an Ethiopian, he would not have been allowed to be part of the temple courts. He had to sit outside. And that he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. Friends, God began to work in this official's life even before Philip ever showed up. God was working in this individual's life. That is called provenient grace. The grace of God was going ahead to this Ethiopian. 
And God was working in his life. And God was telling Philip what to do. See, when God tells us to share the good news with those around us, I want you to be aware, maybe God has already started working in the other person's life. So you don't need to start from scratch. You don't need to do all the work. God is already doing his work. Again, reading from Acts chapter 8, 30. The Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading from Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains to me. So he invited Philip to come with him and sit with him. All that Philip did was ask a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? That's it. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip did not narrate the Apostles' Creed to them, saying, this is what we believe as Christians. He didn't tell the Ten Commandments. He simply asked a question, do you know what you're reading? And that opened up a whole conversation as to what this Ethiopian official was reading. He was reading the passage from Isaiah where the lamb was taken to be slain and the lamb did not say anything. And the Ethiopian official was wondering who this prophet Isaiah was talking about. And Philip answered and said, He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. The lamb that was slain so that you and I can be saved. And then Philip baptized this Ethiopian and gave him again a new identity to be a Christian. He was no longer African. He was no longer a treasurer to the queen. He was a beloved son of God. Friends, this is what happens when we share the good news of Jesus with others. I hope that you have the boldness and the strength of the Spirit to share the good news of Jesus. Because when you do, lives get changed. And this morning, I want to invite Pastor Joanne to come and share her faith journey as to how this church impacted her and how Christ transformed her own life. I'm supposed to keep it uh, to five to seven minutes, which is nearly impossible uh, when I, because I love to speak about my faith journey and um, how, I, how I came to be here. Um, I, think I'm one, I think I'm one of the few who has had an uh, interruption in attending church over the years. I grew up in the uh, uh, Roman Catholic tradition and uh, got away from it when I was a teenager because I had a lot of questions, and I, I felt my, from my personal experience back then uh, that I was taught the facts about God, that I was taught the facts about Jesus Christ, but I wasn't taught um, about a relationship with Jesus Christ and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. Um, so I, I, during that time, um, what, what I was seeking was to know who this God is, but I got away from the church because I kept, in my mind, I kept thinking, I can't be good enough for God. God only loves people who are like Mother Teresa. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not good enough for God to love me, and uh, I don't know how to be good enough uh, for God to love me because um, I was taught about works, um, getting you to heaven. So what I was seeking was to know 
who this God is, but I didn't know at the time that I wanted to know. I didn't know what I wanted to know. I wanted to know what is life about? How do I go about it? When um, I met Mike, Mike Slaughter, um, he was attending this church. And uh, when uh, we would hang out together before we started dating, and I said, oh, so you go to Bible study. Tell me more about who God is. And I, I have no idea, really. And he said, well, I go to Mount Hope down the, down the, the uh, road, and uh, I go to Bible studies. And I was so intrigued. And I said, well, can you take me to Mount Hope? And immediately I loved it because people were so friendly when, when I walked in. And we were going, um, at, when we got married, we were going every uh, Sunday. And the, the passion of the pastors back then and the passion of you, the congregation, and the love you showed me, and the love that was involved in this church way back then in 1993, was something I wanted to be a part of. And uh, I, I felt compelled to teach Sunday school, even though we didn't have children and I wasn't a, I wasn't a kid person. And uh, I thought, well, who am I to teach Sunday school? But Pastor McGill back then had such a passion as Pastor Johnson has now for exploring gifts and you, you have it in you, you can do this. I, and he, I remember him walking down the, the uh, aisle saying, I am not shutting Sunday school down just because I can't find teachers. So I said, Mike, you gotta come with me. Let's teach one class, we'll just do one class. And he was wonderful enough about uh, coming to the first class. And then I was on my own with other teachers uh, teaching and the more I was teaching them the more I learned so I felt like I was learning more than the kids were probably at that point uh, but it was wonderful and I realized after a while that that teaching Sunday school wasn't quite my calling as Pastor Johnson has spoken to us that uh, that we're fit for certain gifts we're, we're gifted from the Holy Spirit uh, so I had, so the Holy Spirit kept knocking on me and, and I, I had this feeling that I wanted to teach others. I wanted to do for others and show the love of Christ to others through ministry the way I had been shown. And because of that outpouring, I wanted to do that for others who don't know about Jesus Christ, who don't have a relationship. I have friends who, uh, do not have a relationship, but they do ask me questions. And I think asking questions is the first step. Asking why is this happening? Uh, why, why are things the way they are? Who is this God? Um, it, it gives my heart peace because I know that there's, there, there, therein lies the provenient grace. That grace that goes before, the grace that calls us to him that, that I had, that I had that call. So when I'm, when I'm able to speak about Jesus Christ to friends, I know that I'm planting seeds in others and that they will know about the love of Christ. They will know through my actions and through my words, through preaching of the gospel. The gospel was shared with me and I'm able to share it with others. It's not the most comfortable thing, as, as Pastor Johnson said, evangelism isn't for everyone, but if you can just talk to friends and talk to family about how God has worked in your lives, how God is calling to you, how the love of Christ, the congregation, has, uh, has extended that love and how you see it through the body of Christ, we can call others, and therein lies your, your uh, testimonial as well. 
So who will you speak to today about Jesus Christ? Who will you speak to in your lives about, about Christ? Who will you offer that word to? Who will you invite to church? Because I was invited to church. I was invited. I, was, uh, I felt compelled in a good way. I felt urged in a good way to participate in ministries here until I found where the Holy Spirit was leading me. So who will you talk to? about Jesus Christ and offer that word and that hope. Amen. Friends, this morning I want to invite you to commit to something. There are some flyers in your hands. If you are feeling the nudge to do one of those things that is listed there, we ask that you would fill this out, put it in the offering plate, or if you want to take it home, think about it. Bring it back next week and put it on the offering plate so that you are taking an action step for what is being taught from God's holy word. So that we're not just listeners, but doers of God's good word. Amen.